Welcome to Bible Line, a ministry of Calvary Community Church. Our podcast is dedicated to the clear teaching of God's Word. We aim to help people find Jesus Christ and train believers through the study of the Bible. We would love to feature your questions on the show. You can email us at questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to calvaryoftampa.org forward slash donate. Catch new episodes every Thursday. We pray today's episode is a blessing to you. All right, I want you to take your Bible and go to Romans chapter 5 in verse 8. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. We are going to talk tonight about three positive statements for the negative internal dialogue. We all, we all have an internal dialogue. There's, we, we, we talk to ourselves in our minds. Uh, when a problem comes up, that internal voice kicks into gear. When we have a lot of leisurely time and we're just kind of daydreaming, we do speak to ourselves. Um, you know, you, you can call it whatever you'd like, a conscience or whatever. I like to just call it as the internal dialogue. And what is, what is interesting about this internal dialogue is it is very much informed by what you set your mind to. I think that that goes without explaining, but let me explain. If we look at our lives as believers and we recognize that we have two different ways to walk, the way we walk is going to inform how we have those internal discussions. And, and, and this came up because in a session that I had this week, I, I was talking with a lady about some things that she was going through, and it came up over the course of the conversation. She's very negative on herself, and I understand that. I grew up in a very pressure-laden environment. Um, when I was in high school, I became the drum major when I was a sophomore. And it was a lot of fun. I loved it. But it was a lot of pressure because my band director really strived for perfection. And, and one of the things when you, get, when you look at music is you can play all the notes right, but if you lack musical phrasing, it doesn't come across. Just like when Larry plays. One of the reasons why Larry is just so good at what he does and Warren as well is they understand musical phrasing. Music is a language, and we can, you, know, you can just play the notes, but how long is that note? Uh, how much breath is behind it? How much emotion is carried in it? You've heard Larry play things that are peppy and, and light, and then later, like the song we just sang, it's very deep. There's a weight to it. And that put a lot of pressure on me as a teenager, and so oftentimes when I would get chewed out in front of my entire band, because of something that a section didn't do or because something that I didn't have prepared, I internalized that and began to talk to myself in that way. So I was very hard on myself. Now, a lot of times that came out to be a good thing because I pushed and motivated myself. But it was not a good thing because I was always looking at myself as falling short. I was always looking at myself as unable. And so when something happened to me that really wasn't any fault of my own, I automatically assigned blame to myself and walked in that negatively. And there are people who are doing that all the time. You may be sitting here today and you do that. Just every single thing that happens to you, you automatically take the blame and you have a very negative conversation about yourself and a, ne a very negative worldview about yourself. And when I was in this counseling session, I realized, I thought, maybe the reason why you think you're experiencing these things is because 
you are informing yourself from your flesh. And I wrote down three things on a sticky note. And as I gave her the sticky note, I said, hang on a second. And I copied it, and it's our message tonight. Because I I wanted her over the next month before we met again to dwell on these three factual statements about our position in God. And I think the more that we remind ourselves of these three factual positions, the more we can stop having that negative dialogue about ourselves. The first one I need to explain before I get into it. I hear a lot in in, in a lot of Christian songs that God looks at us as worthy. I, I don't like that. I cringe when I hear that. I don't judge people when they say it because I think it just comes from an uninformed position. But friend, what you and I are really worthy of is the reason why we trusted in Christ. We are worthy of death. We are worthy of an eternal separation from God. This is why when it says in Philippians that no one will have anything to say and every knee will bow. That's what we're worthy of. And it's dangerous to think, well, I'm worthy of something because I think in the human nature you begin to get prideful. Well, look at me. I mean, the only thing that makes you worthy is what you think is good about yourself, something that has worth. Okay, now, we have a new nature to walk in because of what Christ enables us, but instead of worthy, I want you to replace that word with valuable. Because you are valuable, and the Scripture proves that out. So the first statement, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I am valuable because God has sent His Son Jesus Christ to die in my place. This is not a cop-out. This is actually the strongest one of all of them. There are so many kids that are contemplating ending their lives because they do not realize how valued they are in the eyes of God. There are so many adults that are running to addictions. They're, They're running to busy themselves with things that they think can fill that hole. They can't. And things are be, become a surprise to people when they trust in something that it was never able to save them. You guys remember the game Perfection? It's a little, it's, it, it's a little uh, mechanical game, and you have all these different, uh, I don't even know what they're called, pieces that, you, that you're trying to fit into the, the holes that are shaped the same way. So there's like an X and there's an X that you have to find, and a circle, and there's like a slash, and there's like a dot, and a square, and all this stuff. The thing about perfection is that game has a timer. It's terrifying as a kid. It has a timer, okay? And it's constantly ticking. In order to play the game, you push down the set piece, and that timer starts. And you have to try and get every single shaped peg in the properly shaped hole before that board pops back up and it just spews everywhere, okay? Lots of pressure. I saw this adorable video that there's this little kid and he didn't know that's how perfection works. So he's, you know, it's ticking. You and I both know what's coming. And he's trying to put all the the pieces in there and it pops. And he goes, (gasps) and he's terrified, but then he laughs. He's like, (laughs) I just thought, I just thought. And then he goes, (laughs) <laughs> as, a, as an adult, you know, we can probably look at some real life situations where that little kid represented us. 
where we were, we were rushing to get something done and we didn't realize what was, what was at stake. And then everything exploded in front of us. And at first we kind of shake it off, but then later it, it really did some damage to us. It, it hurt us. Listen, that's where your negative dialogue can come in. And you need to replace those negative thoughts with this one truth. You are valuable. So valuable. God became a man and died for you. That's how much value you have. Look at these verses with me. Romans 5.8 But God commendeth. And if you have, if you have a pen or, or something that you're taking note with, notes with, God commendeth means that He has demonstrated. He has demonstrated His love toward us. In that, and I don't know what's the best part about this verse. Right now, I think it's these next couple words. In uh, that while we were yet sinners. The position that we were in. He didn't ask us to come out of that position and get changed. He didn't ask us to try and then He would justify if our trying was enough. He said, I love you just the way you are. I'm going to die for you just the way you are. Boy, that will take your negative dialogue about yourself, and you'll have a choice to make. Are you going to live in how you think you are? Or are you going to live in the truth of what God has already said about you? It'll change your life. It will change your life. Look what it says at the rest of that verse. And that while we were yet sinners, something happened. This was the demonstration. Christ died for us. Look in Acts. Over there to the left. Acts chapter 13. I'm going through the book of Acts, and we're supposed to do a chapter a day, and I just finished the whole thing today. It is so good. I encourage you to go read the book of Acts. It's, it is amazing to see how God used these men. Acts chapter 13, look in verse 38. This is on page 1167 in the Schofield Bible, or as Dr. Lynchton would say, the right kind of Bible. <laughs> Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Now, Paul is speaking here, and he says that through this man, Jesus Christ, is how you receive the forgiveness of sins. We have a sin payment. We have a debt. We have a bill that must be paid. The only one who can do that is Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse 39. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things. This is important because you're going to still mess up while you're alive. If you're alive and breathing, you're sinning. There are, are choices that you make. I mean, there, there's the sin of commission. We all we are familiar with that. There's also the sin of omission. Not acting when you should act. Not doing what you're supposed to do. Well, then who? I mean, the evidence just mounts up against you so quickly in that case. But you have been justified from all of those things. Someone put it this way that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, all of your sins were in the future. Every single one of them. Jesus wasn't paying for your sin up until the day that you believed and then expects you to keep getting resaved. That's not how it works. Look at what it says in verse 39. All that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law is holy. The commandment of it is holy. But if you're trying to keep the law to get yourself into heaven, you'll fall short. And surprisingly to a lot of people, you'll fall very short. But I think your internal dialogue can be informed by the law. 
if you're not careful. You're going to always think that you have to be perfect. Friend, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. Ask my wife. She knows. My family knows. You ever, you ever realize how hard it is to witness to the people that know you the best? Like family or very close friends? It's difficult. But we can't hold this standard that we're going to do every single thing right. We need to rely on the Lord and realize there is liberty and freedom and these concepts like forgiveness and there's a walk, there's a fellowship with Him. Some of the best times that I've spent with Kyla is when we just go grab something to eat and drive over to the Tampa International Airport in the short-term parking. And we go all the way up to the top and we park our cars and we just watch the planes come in. I'm not, we're not spending a ton of money. We're not going lavish places with all these things. I mean, although there may be a time for that, but I just want to spend time with her. And she just wants to spend time with me. That's a relationship. That's a walk. And it's the same way between you and Christ. Do you spend time with them? Or do you just think it's like lavish gestures every Sunday? Look at the next verses here in Ephesians, over to the right. Ephesians chapter 2. In, in, in this counseling session, we were talking about how these negative thoughts begin. It's something that uh, starts for one second, and then all of a sudden, that one second turns into your dwelling on an idea, and that idea you now attach it to a choice that you made a long time ago. And you begin to think, if I made that choice differently, then all, everything in my life would have been differently, or uh, would have been different. You can't think that way. You know what Jesus says about that? Don't worry about tomorrow. It'll take care of itself. Sufficient is the evil today. There's enough to worry about right now. Amen? I mean, there's enough to worry about right now than to start worry casting is how I call it. I might trademark that. Worry casting things into the future where you just make this huge snowball in your head of things that haven't even happened. I just did it in my office a second ago. I was typing out the, the, the outline for this, and you know what was the first thing that came across my mind? I said it's February 24th of 2021. If the Lord does not come back in the next 40 years, how many more Word documents am I going to write? <laughs> it was, and very quickly, I began to think about things that I'm not responsible for yet and thinking about how can I fill 40 years worth of messages from God's Word? And I've learned to just stop, stop that, and put it aside. It doesn't mean anything for right now. Sufficient is today. Sufficient is the thing that needs to be done today. Look in Ephesians chapter 2. We're still talking about I am valuable because God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place. Look in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 5. This is page 1251. Verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us. That's value. I don't think that God would have died for something that He did not value. And it's very interesting, the thing that God has loved and has 
ascribe value to turns to him and smites him in the face and lives a life contrary to the love that is available to them. But God's love didn't stop. Think about the men who beat Jesus. Do you think he knew their names? Y'all, he knew their sins. And he was ready, willing to get up on that cross and die for those sins. (laughs) Wow. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. You ever realize that? It's like a little uh, prelude to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It's like Paul is so excited to say, for by grace are you saved, that he just can't wait right there in verse 5. He's like, by grace are you saved. Greatest verses, Some of the greatest verses in the Bible are coming up. Can you imagine? But look what that verse says. God is the one who is rich in mercy. He has great love for us, and he has demonstrated that love. We see that from Romans. But then he says when we were dead in sins, he's quickened us. He's made us alive. When a, when, when a dead sinner believes on Jesus Christ, they're quickened, they're made alive. Look very quickly up at verse 1. And you hath he quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sins? There's nothing we could have done. Nothing. So that statement can be a great reminder to you and me when we begin to think negatively about ourselves when we allow ourselves to be informed by our decisions. I am valuable because God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place. Number two, I have been adopted into God's family and have an eternal inheritance. Number two, I have been adopted into God's family and have an eternal inheritance. Nothing about that statement is blown out of proportion. No hyperbole. There's not one single lie in that statement about you. The only people that are excluded from this statement are the ones who have not believed on Jesus Christ. Talk about (laughs) all-inclusive. Hey, you win the lottery, you enter this new thing called a tax bracket. What you thought you had, you really don't have it. There's no strings attached to that statement. Do you realize that? There's nothing in the world like that. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we'll look at a couple verses there, and and then we'll move to another passage. Romans chapter 8, look in verses 15 through 18. On page 1202, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 18, we'll start in 15. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That internal dialogue that you have that is negative, I want to speak very plainly to that. It is you putting yourself in the spirit of bondage. It's not of God. It's not. God does not hate you. He is not waiting for you to mess up so that He can crack you across the head and bring judgment upon you. He looks at you and sees the righteousness of His Son. Hello. 
I'm not talking about some angel, you know. I'm talking about he looks at you and sees Jesus Christ's righteousness. And he looks at you and says, You're my kid. I love you. Look, I long for the day when my wife and I can adopt. I can't wait for that. And I have some people that have mixed opinions on that, you know? Like, oh, it's the best thing ever. And some people are like, I don't know. Look at all the time you have. And I, I get it. There's two sides to everything. But one of the greatest reasons why, excuse me for getting emotional here, but one of the greatest reasons why I'm looking forward to adopt is because God has adopted me. And I want to do that for a kid. I think it's the greatest way for me to show what God has done. Are there going to be days where my kid doesn't love me? Yeah. They're going to be a teenager. You know? They're going to be difficult times. But guess what? I, don't, I won't stop loving them. God doesn't stop loving me when I go through my difficult years and difficult days. Is that true? He does not. He's our Father. It's more than, he's not our judge. He's not our parole officer. He is our Father. You are His child. You can call Him Dad. You can run to Him and just simply cry if you need to cry. You can tell Him a cool story of things that are going on in your life. That's who He is. Look at verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. This is a beautiful promise. God's Holy Spirit, what has sealed us, communicates for us. Not our good works, not our failures, not our shortcomings. Verse 17. And if children... Now look, I love this. Because you, you go to Romans 5 and you see this pattern. If this, then that. If this, then that. Look what it says. And if children, which we are, he's building off the truth from the last couple of verses, then heirs. Heirs of what? Of God. And what does God have? You just saw it in Ephesians. Abundant mercy. Grace. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And we stress about things here that are literally going to be dust. The things we strive for in gold and silver, we're going to smush it between our toes. You're going to walk into your mansion and you're going to sweep gold dust and go, I don't need that. Think about today, like, oh, what? What? Perspective. Look what it says. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18. For I reckon, that's the good old southern Paul, but he says, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Boy, if that's not a life truth, if that's not an anchor for you and I, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. What else could we grab onto in this world that this world has to offer that can match that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. This is why great men of the faith didn't recant Christ. Because they understood. 
If, even if I lost my life, some of them being burned at the stake, being torn to pieces, starving, tortured, the whole lot. They knew when that soul leaves body, they are in the presence of the Lord. And so if our internal dialogue is constantly going about how bad things are, and we look at our life through that dirty, dirty lens, how are we ever going to be able to see this truth? It's very comforting to me when I hear other pastors who I hold in in high esteem see the same things that I see in the Word of God. I was listening to Pastor Jim Scudder this, uh, this Sunday, and he even did this, which I've done that before. And he said, if you don't know the Word of God, the devil will sift you like wheat. And I went, I just said that. Now, I know he didn't say that because I said that. He said that because the Word of God teaches that point. I've said before, if the only Bible reading you're doing is on a Sunday morning, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because you miss verses like this. When your finances collapse, when your health is out of control, when things are, when you, you ever wake up and nothing's wrong, but you just feel wrong? You just feel like in a bad mood? Remember these verses. Look in 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're still talking about, I have been adopted into God's family and have an eternal inheritance. 1 Peter chapter 3, or excuse me, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Page 1311. Let's start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we open it up. I love um, symphonic performances. It is my favorite thing when I'm sitting in the audience. And I know that these musicians have prepared and they are professionals. You know what I'm saying? And when that curtain starts to move open, you're like, here we go. It's about to be great. And you get lost for however long the show is. That's the opening curtain for this statement. Revealing God, Jesus Christ, blessed be Him. Look what it says in the rest of that verse. Which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Period. The translators decided to put a period there. End of thought. I remember when we had a little uh, U-Haul storage room. When I had to move out of, when we had to move out of our apartment and move back in with my in-laws. Okay, it was, it was small. Hardly nothing at all. Very small. And I remember we were promised nothing will get in there. Nothing. It's airtight. <laughs> you ever seen mice? They're nasty. Let me tell you, Mickey Mouse is not invited to my house. But they can take their bodies and put it through a hole the size of a dime. Their bodies move like that. It's just weird. Sometimes it's like, God, why did you do that? I just have a question, you know? Mosquitoes too. What's up with that? Is that was that a part of the curse? Or like, anyway. <laughs> 
But I remember we got in our storage unit after two years, you know, the whole it's all good and everything. And something, I don't know what, it must have been nothing, (laughs) had urinated on our sofa. There was like a wet spot there, and I'm like, there's no AC vent. And I'm like, the nothing got in here. That's the type of rat. It's called a nothing. And it got in there. It is not that way with our inheritance. Look what verse 4 says. Incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away. When I sold furniture, at, or uh, uh, when I handled deliveries for Macy's Furniture um, customer service stuff, Natutsi was the most famous brand. It still is. But people didn't realize if you don't condition your leather, it's going gonna, it's gonna to wear very badly. And you want your leather to have cracks and faded, but nicely, and you're supposed to condition it. Nothing fades. There is no natural fading of things in heaven. You don't have to condition your rewards. They are perfect. That is a truth right now that you can live in. But we choose not to because we have this bad habit of talking negatively to ourselves. And so now things that happen, I believe demonically things can happen to you. If you're saved, you're sealed. I don't think you can be possessed. But oppressed, yes. If you walk around and say things and do things, there are demons that want to stop you from being here tonight. And they are going to do everything that they can. Well, I don't play with any of that stuff. I don't like the horror genre. None of it. I, just, I don't even want to know what these directors are seeing and thinking. What's informing them? That's a good question to ask. These horrible films that, that, that detail the most heinous crimes for entertainment where are they getting these things from? <laughs> like, what's going on? And the last point. I have overcome the world and its circumstances. I have overcome the world and its circumstances. Look in 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. We spent a lot of time in 1 John 4 over the last couple of weeks when we studied that word agape. We understood what it meant. We saw it used in Scripture. But in 1 John 4, in in, uh, verse 4, it says this, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's them? Look at verse 2. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. You are of God, little children. Those who have believed, you are not of the Antichrist. And specifically about those Antichrists, about those false prophets and false teachers, You have overcome them because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. I have dealt with people, very nice people that hear sounds, that feel things, that experience things that I'll be very honest with you, I cannot explain. But I know that there is an Antichrist spirit in the world There are demons in the world. 
And so what I do when I run into people like that, I'm not trying to exercise anything. I'm trying to get them to understand, number one, are you saved? Because if you are, this number two is very important. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Period. The devil knows that too. I've said this many times. You look in Luke, you look in Mark, and you see how the Gadarean man who was plagued with multiple demons, you see how he responded when Jesus got off of that boat. He ran to Jesus and worshipped him because those demons knew who he was. This is not some great battle of, of, of good and evil. This is a timeline that is playing out. Those demons know their place. I believe the devil knows what's coming. But his hatred is so strong for mankind and for God that he'll do anything, anything to hurt people, anything to get them distracted. And so when you look at this verse, you compare that verse, 1 John 4, 4, with chapter 5 in verse 4. Look what it says. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the what? World. If we're not careful, we're going to keep telling ourselves, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I just can't. That's not true. It's not true. There may be a circumstance that you can't do right now, but you have the power to do the right thing. And sometimes, all the time, it's simply laying it before the Father's feet. I cannot tell you how many times I have sat in prayer and said, Lord, I just don't know. I just don't know. Help me in my unbelief. Help me in the blindness. Every time I open up my Scripture, I've gotten in the habit since Bible college to ask the Lord to open my eyes, reveal things to me that He needs me to understand. And He does it every time. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at a Word document and just the cursor's like this. And you just kind of hope that all of a sudden it's like, and it's just writing itself. And you go, look at this masterpiece that just appeared. This is how, this is how we get that cursor to move. We can't put this as third or fourth priority. It's got to be number one. This is how our dad talks to us. Last verse, Revelation 21. Revelation 21. Look in verses 6 and 7. Revelation 21, verses 6 and 7. Page 1351. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the foundation of the water of life freely. You like free things? I love free things. This is free eternal life. In John 6, verses 37 through 39, Jesus says, All you who are thirsty, believe, and as the scripture says, out of his belly will flow rivers of water. And I love how John says, But he spake of the Spirit, who all them that believe will receive. Nice, you get the answers. You don't have to wonder what that is. Look at verse 7. He that overcometh, those who have believed, not overcome your own circumstances in your flesh, but those who have overcome the payment of sin in Jesus Christ. 
What's it say about those individuals? Shall inherit what? All things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Look, when God says that, that's it. You know what I'm saying? That's the last word. And he says that about you? That'll, that'll, that'll humble you. Just be careful how we talk to ourselves. Be careful the things that we say to ourselves are not contrary to what God has said about us. Now, people take this to the extreme and they're like, name it, claim it, right? Lord, I need $1 trillion in Bitcoin. Name it, claim it! And then I open my account and guess what? Nothing. Well, I didn't name hard enough. I didn't claim hard enough. Okay, let me try it again. That's not how the Scripture works. Do you need a trillion dollars when you have inherited all things? Hello. What do we really need then? We need a perspective change. I'll read these one more time and then we'll close. I am valuable because God has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place. Number two, I have been adopted into God's family and have an eternal inheritance. Number three, I have overcome the world and its circumstances. The next time you find yourself thinking negatively, having self-pity, going through how difficult things are and feeling that there's no way out, remember these three things. And there are so much more than that. But we only have the time that we have. Listen, the most important thing that we can know is how to explain to someone the free gift of everlasting life. It's the most important thing that we could ever learn. I encourage you to learn this exchange. I was talking to Mr. Gilbert today, and he said that Zane Hodges called this the great exchange. And there's a physical exchange, yes. The sin leaves the sinner and is placed on Jesus, and it's placed on the pulpit, and it's all gone. But in the world, it is the greatest exchange. God's righteousness, your sin, exchanged. This hand represents you and me. My wallet represents sin. Put this on top of my hand because we all sin. We have all fallen short. It means to miss the mark. What's the mark, you say? It's not the best person, human. It's God's perfection. We all fall short. The payment for sin is death. Eternal separation from God in a place called hell. You have to be absolutely perfect to get to heaven. 100% without sin. This is why we fall short. This is why we're sinners. God loves us. He hates this sin because this sin separates us from Him. A lot of people, good-meaning people, think that all their good deeds can be exchanged for righteousness, can be exchanged for God's perfection. The Bible tells us that all of our works are like filthy rags. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This hand will figuratively represent Jesus Christ. He was perfect, fully God and fully man. Humbled himself, was, became obedient even unto death. And what does that mean? He did something for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in Him. There's the great exchange. Whosoever believeth. That's all it is. 
lay it down. Receive that free gift that is offered to you. Whosoever believeth in Him, Jesus Christ, should not perish but have a certain kind of life and it's everlasting life. So if you have received that, you're valuable. You have a new family, lots of cool toys, (laughs) and you've overcome the world and its circumstances. For all those who have believed in Christ, there is nothing that could happen to us to ever change that position. And that is the greatest security, the greatest news in all the world. So let's live in that. Let's build our lives off of that. Let's go to church with that attitude. Let's go to work with that attitude. Let's go on our knees with that attitude and thank the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As a thank you to our listeners, we want to give away a free Bible every month this year. To enter, send us an email with your Bible question. Our email address is questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Be sure to subscribe to the show and check back each Thursday for new episodes. Until next time, keep looking up. Jesus is coming soon.